My name's Emily and I'm an osteopath and healthcare enthusiast working in the Midlands. I spend every week helping my patients reduce their aches and pains, move their bodies more and live the healthiest life possible. And now I want you to join the conversation. In this podcast, I'll be investigating the people and places around the Midlands that are on the same mission and ask them to share their knowledge to transform your health. There's no subject that's off topic. Nutrition, mental health, sleep and fitness, it's all here. This is the Healthy Midlands podcast. So now I am here uh, with my colleague Laura Greenwood and we work together in both of the Ebrook Osteopathy and Sports Clinics the one in St Colfield and the one in Litchfield. I'm very, very lucky to have Laura on the team with me. Um, a little bit of a gem discovered in the midst of COVID. <laughs> Just a little bit. <laughs> Laura graduated from the College of Osteopaths uh, London campus. Um, how many months pregnant were you, Laura? When I came and saw you first. Oh, I was going to say, when you graduated? You uh, graduated oh, when after. I graduated, yeah. I would have been just coming up to two, three, three months pregnant yeah. when I graduated, yeah. Yeah, so you like, graduated with this like brand spanking new skill set and then you were staring down the barrel of like the last two trimesters of your pregnancy. Yeah, <laughs> which, yeah, last two trimesters were weren't pleasant shall we say with pelvic pain <laughs> but thankfully yeah you and, and Stephanie came to my rescue yeah that's kind of how <laughs> we ended up kind of bumping into crossing paths initially yes um, yeah and uh and then I was like, well, at what point was it then we you'd, you were still pregnant and I was like Oh, do you, do you, would you come and work here? <laughs> would yeah, you come I and work with Yeah. Us? You were like, was, I'm a bit busy. <laughs> well, yeah, I was going to say, as long as, like, I mean, I suppose you understood my situation that I was in. <laughs> I was like, if you can wait for me, sure. <laughs> just have to give me, give me a bit of time. Let me just now. pop this kid um, out and then we'll and, and <laughs> sort a date. <laughs> and now you juggle three children and five. Yes. How many horses? Four. <laughs> <laughs> And what we're going to talk about today, which is a string of triathletes who you look after as well. One yes. of them being your husband. One of them being my husband, <laughs> where it all began. So let's start off, um, let's chat really quickly about how did you end up on the osteopathy course in the first place? So I started off as an equine body worker, then went into human sports massage so I could work with both horse and rider. From there, did loads of add-on courses, acupuncture, spinal manipulation, pregnancy. And after doing all of that, I just wanted to have a more uh, accredited title. I wanted to be able to, when I did have patients that were coming in, which seemed a little bit more sinister with their presenting symptoms, just to be able to know what I was doing, what I was seeing, yeah, like and how much diagnostic could... funnels and work yeah, out rather whether... than having to refer on because it was a little bit out of my remit. And I think that's the great thing about osteopathy, really, isn't it? Is that it straddles this this position between being proactively medical and kind of diagnostic in terms of we have got quite a lot of clinical skill in picking yeah. up things that aren't quite right, yeah, um, and referring those on to like rheumatologists or. Um, radiographers whatever whatever kind of further investigations we need um I know like in our clinic where you and I work we 
have this kind of ethos of if this isn't the right place for you we'll find out where you're supposed to be yeah so we kind of see those problems right through to the end which Mm. I think when you don't have um the accreditation to the title you kind of you you cut loose Mm. at a certain point yeah um of kind of either pathology or injury if it goes beyond a certain point you just don't you just can't be part of that person's care plan anymore yeah I, I can remember thinking as a sports massage therapist if I ever came across something which I knew wasn't right or there's something underlying I always felt like I had to go to someone more let's say like superior when I used to work mm. at the chiropractic clinic to do the referral because I always thought if I did a referral myself and just signed it as a sports master therapist it would never always be taken quite serious it carry the weight yeah, yeah. whereas Which is, now it's, 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 I know like obviously osteopathy has got like a lot of legal um recognition and and it's a protected title and stuff but um you know if, if someone who has their hands on someone's body all day kind of says something's not right it's mm. it's sad that they might not be listened to just on the basis of what their qualification is when yeah, you know like true. We, we know yeah. that so much of um so much of picking up red flags is sometimes it, it's not something that you can quantify it's literally on a gut feeling yeah that something's yeah, not right is, yeah i did something that with a patient with greg the other day i was like oh don't like the nothing, don't like the look yeah. there's nothing well, no one thing in particular um but yeah, that patient's gone on to to have unfortunately, I think the condition that was suspected. Oh, I'll talk to you about that later. Yes, please off the do. record. <laughs> <laughs> I, I did that the other day. I was talking to um, Rachel, the lactation consultant, and Ooh. I name dropped my old flatmate by like basically gave her full name, the address, where she lives. <laughs> names of all her children edit that yeah <laughs> total lack of anonymity <laughs> my apologies again leanne if you are if you're listening <laughs> so let's get to the meaty bit now then laura let's go in clinic now one of the mainstays of your patient um group is triathletes it is so your your kind of introduction to the triathlete world was Dale, wasn't it? Yep. So my husband started triathlon in 2013. Um, more, he'd always done quite a bit of cycling. Um, was a decent swimmer, and then realised he was a pretty good runner. Um, <laughs> not the fast. Well, he's pretty fast, but not fast enough really for like sort of Olympic distance. So he decided How old to was go. He at that point. So he would have been about 26 i love these stories where people get into running at a later age maybe 27 yeah yeah i love Um, it because i kind of think that so many people think that if they didn't run if they weren't athletic in their like teenage years mm. or maybe through school and university that they think that it's cut away from them yeah and they don't think they can get into it as an adult so i really like it when i hear about people who like suddenly yeah. come to like quite an elite level of sport but in the middle of their 20s or like coming up it to was 30. just a bit um i think he just wanted just to have a go he just saw yeah. other people doing it joined um brat which is um uh, the triathlon club uh, based in birmingham okay. um and just started doing the training um went up to liverpool for his first competition where he got kicked in the face which smashed his goggles um he then i think he had a puncture he had, he had something go wrong on the bike 
um, and then did a decent run. So it was not the race planned, but I think even that was just a little bit more like, yeah, he was good at it, but he's just going to give it a go. But obviously the financial commitment just to even get to competition, like you think the bike, oh, all of that is, yeah. yeah. Like for people to have a go at triathlon, it's not just, oh, I'll buy a pair of running shoes and whatnot. It's everything. It's a big to, commitment, isn't it? Yeah. And it's a big commitment with the amount of training as well. At any level, um, mm. to be able to cover all three disciplines to get the training in for the swim, the bike, and the run. It yeah, is, it's always, yeah, it? and especially, obviously, so Dale hasn't done any, um, that sort of like 12 months because of sort of children and lockdown. But yeah. Um, yeah, previous to that, like Sundays would be like the big bike days. That would be like a five, sometimes nearly a six hour bike ride to get those miles in. Um, so it is a big commitment, especially if you're doing full distance yeah yeah massive and like as a family as well yeah you have to to sort of be in it together to to do it (laughs) definitely but in all fairness i love it i've never done one myself and of all whenever i'm at a track i'm like i'm gonna do this i'm gonna do this this, now the kids are born and done with as you're getting into like your physical Mm. kind of recovery from your last pregnancy and birth would you be tempted I might. My issue is, so my, I'm a decent swimmer. I used to competitively swim, so I'm a good swimmer. Um, but I'm not the most confident on a bike, especially uh, when you hear of like the horrors that happen like, with car accidents on the roads. Like that sort do, of yeah, like, puts not. me off a little bit. So I'm We've always had a little bit. Oh, through the clinic recently. I've got a patient at the moment that was yeah, yeah without naming names. I know who you're talking yeah, about. And that was a horrendous bad, crash. A, a really, really bad. That was an X-ray job just to find all the glass in his body. Yeah. So <laughs> there's, there's that. <laughs> We're really selling it. Um, and I'm not the most natural of runners to say. Come on, our Lucy Waters can change that for you. She'll possibly. get you on the treadmill. Yeah, po- possibly, yeah I, could, I could be her challenge. I mean, yeah. if you go back if and we listen did a, to that if episode, we did a, a, a before and after, give me, yeah, give her six months and see see what difference she could she's make. She's been trying on me for about <laughs> about six months, and I'm, I'm probably not oh. her ideal client, though. To be fair, yeah. she's like, "Have you been out training this week?" And I'm like, oh. <laughs> But I think, yeah, I enjoy being a supporter. I enjoy being on the sideline, making sure that I know exactly what position is in, who is catching up or who yeah. potentially might be catching up with him, trying to and encourage him. And do you give him like, tactical information then through the race? Would um, you kind of like be keeping track of it and then at the next point where you a would little see bit. him, you'd be like, look out for him, he's coming up on you, you've got to... Mm. There are little, yeah, you have to be careful, like, but a bit of kind of tactics and a little bit purely because when he did his first fall which was in 2014 at wales he was so so close to qualifying for kona so close i think he was like one position behind Mm. qualifying so then the next year when he went back to wales was like right this is the qualifying year we're going to do this and he did yeah. So, but that was, I mean, I, on my sports tracker, I ran 17 miles that day myself. <laughs> yeah, me too. I don't, I, was gonna, I don't know who, who was walking worse the next day, me or him. Oh my God. <laughs> and then, so obviously he went to Kona. What was that like as an oh, experience? Oh, amazing. 
just so for I people think, who might not kind of be on the scene so Kona is um the Ironman world champs for the full distance so that is a 2.4 mile swim 112 mile bike and then a marathon being 26.2 mile run at the end in ridiculous heat with ridiculous humidity so um like Dale's prep for Kona he went so Kona is Hawaii Hawaii Kona yes um so Dale was going to um a university in Birmingham to go and use a heat chamber as preparation for it to get so his body could get used to the humidity Um, (laughs) but as a I think you know what though even though I mean, with the parades and everything that goes on then, you've got all the professional triathletes. It is like the, the main um, race of the year. Mm. But the atmosphere at every single other race isn't any different. It's, it's no less. Yeah. Every single Ironman any, or any real triathlon, the atmosphere at them is always brilliant. The support, everything... And just make feel like that's the draw for yes, triathletes. Oh, definitely, it's um, it's one of those sports that I think you all race the same race. Doesn't matter whether you're twenty or, for instance, in Kona we had a guy that was eighty three oh that was competing God. it and actually compete completed it as well. So there's no barrier on when it comes to age or ability. There's people that are doing it. Um, that are blind or mm. um, that are on crutches like literally the it's so it's open wild. to everyone um, and because you've got the different um, distances if it's something that you just want to have a little go at or it's something to do with just fitness or part of like um, a weight loss plan or something that you just want to get into to create a, a better lifestyle or just like a, like a personal challenge yeah. you've got the sprint distances and you can gradually build it up or if it's something that you really want to tackle to be able to say that you're an iron man and you want to do the full mm. full distance um it's yeah triathlon's brilliant as uh, as a sport so what kind of pain points do you see then when these triathletes come and see you in clinic? So it's it's so multidisciplinary. It is. This is yeah, this is the thing. So to be a swimmer and to be a good swimmer, it's a lot of upper body strength. A lot of triathletes tend to use their upper body for the swim and only a little bit of leg just because it then leaves the legs ready for the bike and for the run. Keeps them fresh. Yeah. So your upper body muscles for swimming so your um pectoral muscles upper trapezius latissimus dorsi um triceps all of that to create like a good strong stroke it's all sort of like muscle bulking it's all on the back yeah whereas then when you come to on the bike all those muscles need to be able to switch off to get into a good aero position especially if you're if you're on a, a tt bike a time trial bike yeah and you'll really need to wrap um, your body around yeah um curl your shoulders round and be yeah. protracted to create a real aerodynamic position on the bike yeah so that's those two completely work against each other um yeah because if you've built all of that bulk onto your back and then you've got to flatten it as much as possible. It's not like it disappear. Yeah, the, the, <laughs> the muscle needs to be really pliable. So you need to have good, solid muscle. That's good for endurance, but it's still got to keep it elasticity Mobility, yeah. Yeah, to allow for a good 
posture then on the bike. Um, I think if you then combine the swim and the bike and then for the run, so on the swim, the foot's always in plantar flexion. Yeah. So you've Which always means, got um, contracted yeah, the, calves, the, the layers. Yeah, the pointing down. Yeah. Um, on the bike, you're normally in cleats. That's when your feet are sort of fixed on the pedal. So there's no sort of ankle movement. So again, you've got all knee action, but no real ankle mobility occurring. And then you do all of that. And then you expected to jump off the bike and just be able to run to have good foot mobility. Um, and that's another transition point that can be a real, a real gripe is that you're going from being bent over at the hip yeah. and the lower back on the bike, and yeah. then you've got to get upright to run and exactly. not be over-flexed in the hip. Yeah, so again, ah. you're on the bike, <laughs> and especially if you're on the bike for, say, four, five, six hours oh, at a time, yeah. Um, and yeah, your hip flexors are contracted, and then all of a sudden you're supposed to be able to get off the bike stand upright have nice open hips for, for like a good open chest long, to get that air um, yeah. yeah a good stride for running it's everything just contradicts itself so a lot of the time it's trying to um work along their training obviously to prevent injuries because the amount of training that they're doing yeah, but then to also injuries even just in the training massively yeah um but then also try and work with um, the body to try and allow it to be more pliable for each discipline because I think we see that a lot in in kind of like if you're just going to be a straight marathon runner you you spend your whole life moving forward you're very set in your movement patterns mm. there isn't an awful lot that can get in your way and then it tends to be things that kind of like knock them off that injure them yeah I mean obviously running is just yeah. quite high impact repetitive it's just the same thing over and over and over again and like we can we can see people who've got into running and gone through quite successfully for a long time without a major injury Mm. but they've never worked on the mobility and then they're quite rigid and brittle like I have quite a lot of patients who are maybe in their like late 40s into their 50s who have always been runners and they have this like um just taut quality mm, in their body. Yeah, Do you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, I know exactly what you mean. Like yeah. the, the muscle is trained. It knows what it's doing. It doesn't deviate from pattern. Yeah. And they've got they've got to that point. They've run, you know, three times a week their entire lives without an injury. And then when they are injured, it, they, there's no flex to them. Yeah. But in a triathlete, you can't ever reach that point because you're having to dynamically move between those three disciplines all the time. Yeah. I should imagine that their bodies are quite different. So I'd probably say, uh, yes, you've got the the flexibility between um, the training because you're having to swap it. So it's not you're not constantly running all the time or constantly cycling. So there is that flexibility because of the training. But even then, you've still got training that's constantly overlapping each other. So it's not just, oh, I'll do a run today, maybe just do some stretching tomorrow, do a run the next day. It's It's like sometimes, yeah, Yeah. today it might be a swim run 
and then tomorrow will be like a long bike maybe um, or a brick run so you go do a bike you literally get back home whip your running shoes on and you go and do a quick 10 minute run just to get those legs used to running straight off the bike Um, it's it's little things like that and Um, that's like a training tip that could be really easily missed because I think layering them up is I know I don't see them obviously anywhere near as frequently um but when i've seen triathletes who've run into problems it tends to be because they're leaving this big separation in their training plans Mm. and they are doing that where they're like well i swim on this day i run on this day and they never kind of do that yeah transition um it's it's a big yeah the transitions are a real big thing Pete, a lot of people don't practice their transition going from swim to bike or bike to run Mm. until they actually get to the race race that is like the first time where they've sort of I mean, actually got to do it. from a logistical point of view with the clothing and the, yeah, the just physically the sort of, changing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's, it must be like when you're in a theatre show and you've got to do a really quick change, quick change. into a different costume. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. but then obviously you've also got the... Your hat's got to be done up before mm-hmm. you move your bike out of the racking. Um, just like oh, little so things are like, like little rules little, that are yeah. in there oh. um, you can't mount the bike until you've crossed the line you've got to dismount your bike before the line it's like little things like um, that that people never practice at home so you'll see people come flying in on the bike and, and then they see the line and they're like well. oh, brakes swinging their leg off getting the foot stuck in the cleat oh. and like little things like that it's all all the little bits and when of you're in preparation. That zone, it is really easy. When to you're make in mistakes. race mode, yeah, yeah, all little bits like that just tend to go out the window. But so obviously, it's not uh, mandatory if you're going to enter a triathlon to have somebody coach you or support you in terms of like a, a manual therapy practitioner to help with your recovery in between. Um, but obviously, you and I would both recommend that would yeah. be a smart I thing to do of, of, of course <laughs> I think it'd be more like I said before with the the financial commitment that's put in to buying everything if you had only done a couple or you'd only just started training and you were becoming injured or you were starting to feel tight spots niggles mm. that could potentially become an injury all that time and preparation and money would then either be put on hold or yeah. wouldn't be allowing you to continue the path that you were planning to do. Yes. So Which kind of then puts, you know, 40 quid at the osteopath into perspective, doesn't it? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> it doesn't seem that bad. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Dale's got some nice bikes. I mean, I think Dale's TT bike was about £5,000. Don't say that too loud. We'll be around your house rubbing it. <laughs> this is Birmingham, Laura. God sake. If so, Tom Cruise isn't safe, no one is. Tom Cruise. That's probably going to be such oh, an old joke by the time this comes yet. out. <laughs> You'd be finding Dale's oh, TT dear. bike stripped for parts outside a chicken shop in Smethwick. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, they could get away pretty quick on it. Yeah, that's, that's, that's the thing. Not, no disrespect to Smedic. <laughs> that is where Tom Cruise's car was found. I know, don't come for me, Smedic. Oh, I love dear. you, really. <laughs> <laughs> so, oh, it's been great to chat to you about this, Laura. Um, if you've got one solid piece of advice for someone Ooh. after their first try, what would you recommend? After the first try, I'd probably say if it's the first one... If they're going after it, not like 
for after they've completed oh, it. Oh, after they've completed it. They go the, for they're, it. They've booked their place. They're okay. in their training. What would you say is like a total pearl of wisdom that you could share with them? I would probably say give yourself good realistic times. It's really hard, especially when you're training one discipline at a time to get all these times. But then when you come to put all three together, it may not be as quick or... Um, it doesn't always go so expectations for your first try just give yourself a little bit of breathing space with your times and expectations um, because that is um, a technique or a tactic in itself is just being able to put it all together to have a fully fluent race day with no little hiccups is yeah is obviously the, the perfect goal but it doesn't always happen, especially when you're yeah, having to put everything together. So if it's your so first one, treat yourself with treat some yourself kindness. Treat yourself as a, yes. Yeah. Um, don't let it put you off. Make definitely sure you don't book. let it put you off because there's always little rooms for improvement. Every single time you'll, you'll go out, there'll be something that will have gone better that day. Yeah, that you smooth um, the rough edges off. So maybe that maybe that's it then. Yeah. The, the best advice for someone going into their first triathlon is to already have your second one booked. Yes. Oh, yeah. I think normally, though, once you've done one, that's it. You're hooked. Yeah. Even when you've had a real tough day, um, people always say, that's it, I'm not doing another one. Give, give them a couple of weeks once like, they've recovered, and you, you'll ask them again, like, yeah, yeah, we've got this one. Oh. <laughs> Thanks so much, Laura. Thanks Thank for you. spending some time with me Thank today. Thank you very much. So if you want to find out more about Laura, um, or maybe even come and see her with your triathlete problems and woes, you can find her on our website, which is www.ebrocosteopathy.co.uk, and you can book with Laura there too for both of the clinics. Um, there's no limits to what you can achieve when you've got the right practitioner on your side. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> Cheers, Laura. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Healthy Midlands podcast. Make sure to hit the follow button so that you can be the first to know when the next episode is up. Leave a review or share this podcast with a friend if you found it useful. And for more, come and find us on Instagram at Healthy Midlands.